Hello, this is Joe. And TJ. With the Schoolhouse 302, and we're here with our guest, Faye Blake, for an interview on our hashtag One Thing series. Welcome to the podcast, Faye. Well, hi, TJ, and hi, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm thrilled to be here today. It is, it is very much our pleasure. We are so excited to have you with us. Um, our hashtag One Thing series is meant to provide listeners with an interview with a great leader on a specific topic and then dive into growth strategies with our hashtag One Thing series leadership questions. This month, our focus is service-based leadership. At the Schoolhouse 02, we're always trying to get the simple so that our followers can lead better and grow faster. TJ? Thanks, Joe. Uh, we're so fortunate to have Faye Blake on this episode of our Hashtag One Thing series. Before we get started with the interview, let's introduce our guest. Faye Blake is the founder and executive director of Pathways to Success Incorporated. She's also an entrepreneur with several businesses throughout Delaware and Maryland. Faye started her career about 34 years ago in the lending institution with security Pacific National Bank, where she worked as a loan officer for five years. She then enjoyed a 20-year banking career at All First Financial. Faye held various positions of increasing authority at All First Financial, and in 1995, she was appointed as Senior Vice President of Operations, the first African-American to be appointed to that level in the bank's 200-year history. During that time, she had global oversight of all operation units in the mid-Atlantic regions. And in 1998, she was recognized by the banking institution for quality assurance, as well as being recognized in the industry by Visa USA for quality service and outstanding customer service. Faye established Pathways to Success Incorporated in 2006. The work that Faye does with Pathways is indeed her passion, and it embodies her need to give back to the community, especially in Sussex County, Delaware, where she was born and raised. Faye herself comes from humble beginnings and understands the devastation of poverty. Fueled with that knowledge and experience, she and the Pathways team strive to make a positive difference in the lives of the people she serves in Sussex. Pathways to Success provides in-school and after-school mentoring to at-risk youth, as well as community outreach to their families. The Pathways mission is to prepare youth, adults, and their families for successful lives within our communities. Pathways utilizes innovative and creative approaches to mentoring, education, and community outreach to inform, educate, and empower people. Faye is a wife of 40 plus years and a proud mother of three adult children, Alex, Justin, and Melody. She has five grandchildren, four handsome grandsons, and one beautiful granddaughter. Needless to say, Faye provides a much needed service to the community with the desire to help kids and give back to the people. So Faye, let's start with the topic of service-based leadership, our topic this month, something that you excel at or passionate about and are successful with. As someone with experience in the financial industry and now with your philanthropic business, how did you come to the realization of the desperate need to help at-risk youth and what fuels your desire to provide this service in our state? We want to hear anything you might say about service-based leadership. Joe and I and our listeners are ready to learn from you. 
Okay, well, I thank you very much. Um, and one of the things that you said is that service-based leadership is very important. And as I was reading your blog post, um, you know, one of the things that you did was you gave a couple of definitions, one for, um, you know, service leadership and one for servant leadership. And so I agree with both of you. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase, service-based leadership is filling a void. It's filling a need that uh, possibly people can't fill for themselves. And in doing so, we're adding value not only to the person, but when you're in service to others, it also adds value to you. Um, and so one of the things that happened with me was... Um, being in banking and being in a service industry, you're constantly providing service to others, whether it be banking, uh, whether it be credit cards, loans, etc. And the thing you want to do is to meet the needs of the people that you are working with um, and, um, and that you are working for. Because I am going to say that because without the people uh, needing the product or the service, then guess what? you don't have a business. So you always want to make sure that you keep that in mind. Um, and from a service-based leadership standpoint, you also have to view the people that are working in your operation as your customers. Um, I always looked at the people that worked with me, my managers and supervisors and vice presidents and assistants as my customers. And it was up to me to provide them with um, what I consider is care. And this is something that has rippled throughout whatever business I am in. And care for me is providing consistent, authentic, respectful empowerment. Um, in everything that I have ever done with the groups of people that I have worked with, it has been based on that care model. Um, so when I left banking, one of the things that I thought about was how do I parlay what I know, my leadership and organization skills, this care model, how do I get that to um, be something we could market and give to people who were struggling educationally. Um, because let's face it, without education, our kids are going to perish. And we know what happens. I mean, many of them wind up in prison, um, dropping out of school, wind up in prison, etc. So what we have to do is to really provide a vehicle for them to stay in school. Um, so what was born out of something that my grandmother did with me, because as you heard, I come from humble beginnings. Um, my grandmother actually worked with me when I was very young. I lived with her from the age of being born, I guess, from being born until I was about seven years old when she passed. But every day she gave me a nugget of positiveness. She told me how wonderful I was and she told me that I was the smartest little girl ever. Now, you know, the joke is, and I tell this when I talk to people about my story, I could have been dumb as a stump, but I believed her because she said it every day. So therein lies some consistency, some consistent, positive reinforcement every day. 
from an authenticity standpoint, I believed her. She was my grandmother. So, I mean, she was, she was there all the time and I believed her. And one of the things that she always did was she never, ever raised her voice. She had such a wonderful, um, uh, her voice was like, um, uh, a melody, if you will, just a nice, soft, smooth melody. And so she always used to talk to me about, you know, just life in general and other things. And then the last thing she did was she empowered me. Because she believed in me so much, she helped me believe in myself. And that's one of the things that we do um, at Pathways. So I thought to myself, how in the world do I do this? And so Pathways is actually the foundation of it is based on the care model. Everything that we do with the students and the families that we work with in our at-risk communities is based on that. Number one, consistent. Oftentimes when we say we're gonna do something and we don't, we lose the respect of people. So what we have to do is always in every transaction, be consistent and do what we say we're going to do. From an authenticity standpoint, we have to be authentic with people. We have to meet people where they are. We can't expect them to have gone through the life journeys or the experiences that we have and then pass judgment. What we have to do is just understand where they are and be authentic with them about planning and goal setting um, and helping them. Um, and so that's what authenticity is all about, looking someone in the eye, being able to shake their hand and really mean it. Um, from a respect standpoint, the one thing that I have always um, known is that respect is earned. I think a lot of people walk into situations thinking that you're automatically going to respect me because of my title or who I am. That's not true. Um, it's not so much who you are, but it's really all about how you treat other people that actually gives you um, that respect from others. And so we, we, we make sure that we're there and that we respect people and that they in turn respect us. And we don't go into it with a preconceived notion that just because we showed up, you're going to respect us. We have to earn that. And then the last piece, which is so incredibly important, is the empowerment. You know, the old adage says that you can, you know, give a person a fish and you feed them for a day. But our job, our responsibility as service leaders is to teach people how to fish so that they have food and can feed themselves for a lifetime. Um, we don't want to create dependency. What we want to do is to do what my grandmother did for me. She actually empowered me to be able to make good, positive decisions for myself, even though I was born out of poverty. So that's, that's some of how we came about, is just through the dream of thinking outside of the box and figuring out how we could impart some of the things that I learned as a child and also at the bank into what we do with the at-risk youth throughout Sussex County. Hey, that's tremendous. Thank you so much. And the care model, I think, can be used across many situations, industries, and really just a philosophy towards living and how we should treat one another. I do have a follow-up question I wanted to ask you with that. You know, sure. dealing with a lot of these students who are at risk, you had mentioned also working with their families. And a lot of times, as you mentioned, you know, they're coming from tough situations 
probably very difficult circumstances. Can you just give us a couple ways in which you also reach out to the families so you're building that network of support? Absolutely. Um, One of the things that we do when we um, have referrals, let's start there. Um, Our business is to go into the schools and the schools will then refer students to us. And one of the things that we do is wherever the student lives, our intake actually happens at the student's house. So there are about 24 or so pockets of poverty throughout Sussex County. And I can safely say that I have been in every one of them, actually lived in one for a good long time, um, you know, um, but actually have been there. And so what we do is that's when we start the bonding process. And remember back to our care model, one of the things that we do is that respect. I'm not going to ask you to come to the school because sometimes transportation may be an issue for you. And that already puts, you know, the parent at odds with, you know, the program or even the school. So what we do is we set up an appointment so that we can come to the um, community and to the house of the student. Um, And we're very respectful, obviously. Um, Oftentimes, um, the folks that work with me, many of us have a story. We all have a story and a journey. And so we're not shy about being um, disclosing, you know, those stories. And so we start building that bond, that trust, that respect, that authenticity at the very first meeting. The other thing that we do is we work with the schools to get them into the community. If there's a community center or a faith-based organization that wants to connect with the school, oftentimes what we will do is set up community nights for, you know, for the families and also for the um, school administration and some of the teachers so that we can sit down and talk with them about how do we help your child get through the education process and how do we do it um, so that we're all on the same page. So those are just a couple of the ways. I mean, we've also gone into communities and set up food banks and we've had clothing drives and we deliver turkeys and we do all kinds of things in the, um, in the, um, uh, in, you know, in the um, uh, communities that we serve um, to make sure that people, you know, have, uh, again, but giving them referral services and opportunities so that not only can they feed their families just for that particular time, but on a go forward basis. That's incredible. Thank you, Faye. I I think our listeners will truly appreciate the practical advice and wisdom and find a lot of energy in simplicity and really motivate them to do what they can do. Um, Let's move in. I'm excited. Let's move into our uh, five hashtag one thing series leadership questions. Our first question, um, who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where can we find them? Okay. Um, I'm going to say Benjamin um, Zander. Uh, a composer, he's a speaker, a motivational speaker, Um, he's a businessman, um, and uh, he actually has directed uh, the Boston Philharmonic, um, you know, orchestra. Um, I actually went to a seminar some time ago, and he had a book, and it's out, it's called The Art of Possibility, Transforming Professional and Personal Life. 
and I um, picked up the book and couldn't put it down, uh, to be honest with you, because one of the things that I think that we all, as, as you know, leaders, um, and especially those of us that are in service, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, take small donations and we have to figure out how to, you know, make things stretch and make things work. And what we wind up doing is if we use an old model or if we don't get outside of the box some and start thinking about the possibilities of what could happen, that we get bogged down. So the whole notion of possibility thinking was really great for me. And the one thing that really stuck out in my mind about the possibility thinking is something that he talks about in what he calls his practices, and there are about nine or 10 of them. And the one thing that I think, you know, really helped to transform me was that notion of enrollment. And um, what enrollment is, is um, understanding kind of what your vision is and what you'd like to have happen, but gathering others um, to also help you get there. And you don't just gather them, but what your job as a service leader is you have to ignite or spark um, something inside that other person that almost ties them to your vision. Um, and so part of what we have to do being in-service leaders is to have a great passion for what we do. Um, one of the things for me is seeing those kids graduate. We take kids who um, are, you know, about to drop out of school. And with both of you being educators, you know that that's a kiss of death for a student to drop out of school, uh, especially someone coming from an underserved um, neighborhood, because that generational, unfortunately, poverty will follow that person unless there's something that breaks that cycle. And usually um, walking across the stage and getting your diploma is the beginning of that. And I'm really pleased to say that, you know, we've been doing this since 2006 and 98% of the students that we work with actually do walk across that stage. And that's because of so many people that have, we've been able to spark their interest in helping us do just that. Um, and also we have to ignite that vision that we have for that student. We can't. Um, tell someone what they want to be. What we have to do is to expose them through experiential ways and helping them value themselves. Um, we help our kids understand that they are valued and very valuable. There's not one other person in the universe that's exactly like them. And the possibilities of what they can contribute are endless. And that's the thing that we impart to them every day, like my grandmother told me that I was really special and really intelligent. So that's how we do that. So Xander actually helped me hone this whole thing of possibility thinking and helping others understand that their possibilities are endless. That's awesome, Faye. Thank you so much. We'll try to link to Xander's work in our show notes so that the listeners can find him and mm -hmm. so that they can check out this book, Art of Possibility. Um, so thank you for that answer. Our second 
hashtag one thing series question is, what's one thing that people, in your opinion, should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? Um, one of the things that um, I think that we do often is we sometimes get into negative thought processes. And uh, a while ago, one of the things that I told a group of folks to do is to put on a rubber band. And every time you have a negative thought, I want you to pop that rubber band on your wrist. And because I don't think that we understand how sometimes how negative we can be. And what we want to do is to replace it with positive thoughts not only about ourselves, but about others. Those positive thoughts can range anywhere from, you know, what you want to do or what you will do because we want to speak it in the affirmative. So it's almost like an affirmation, what we will do positive for ourselves or what we will do positive for other people. Every day that I am privileged to open my eyes before my feet hit the floor, I literally am grateful and thankful for the ability to make a positive difference, not only in the lives of other people, but in my life as well. Um, I can't tell you how humbling it is for me to have reached, you know, the, the successes that I have and, and, and am able to share, am able to give back to communities and people. That is such a gift. And um, I think that if we start looking at those things that we have and being able to give to others, I think that it's a wonderful thing. And I think it enriches not only your life, but the lives of other people around you. That's fantastic, Faye. I don't think we can say enough about gratitude and yes. being grateful. Let's move on to our third question. What's the one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't do already? It, it's tied into, um, let's see, it's the, the thing that we're not doing currently is tied into the overall vision of Pathways to Success. Um, and the thing that we haven't done yet, and I will say that because I believe, I know we will, is we have not gotten our program in each one of the high schools throughout Sussex County. It is very important that the kids that we serve understand that they have an advocate, that they have individuals who are willing um, to um, be there for them. Um, my staff and I are on call for students just about 24 hours a day. Um, and where we don't try to take the place of parents, what we do is we do monitor attendance, we do monitor homework, we do know what's going on with the kids inside the school and outside of the school, and we do mentor and coach and we show up. Um, and I think that you know, now more than ever with social media and other things running rampant, that you have to have some, some place on, you know, within the school, within your community, that's a safe haven um, where you can express yourself and where people understand and can coach you. So um, just to, to, to continue to do what we do, but to broaden our 
scope so that we are in um, every school out there. Right now, we currently reside in three schools, and I do have folks that are on staff, and they're there every single day the kids are in school. So that would be it. That's awesome, Faye. It's a great goal. We really hope that you do get in every school. The service that you're providing is just fantastic for kids. And I really like the idea of safety, that they feel safe and they're connecting to adults who are providing them with a service, but also making sure that they have what they need to feel that value and to, to be a valuable member of, of the community. Our um, fourth uh, hashtag one thing series question is, what's the one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that maybe somebody else could replicate? Um, I'm going to say what has fueled me um, and is um, Joel Barker. Joel Barker has a series of books and things out there. Um, and the notion of of, of paradigm shifting, looking at the world through a different lens. Um, and, you know, and he talks about in some of his work, you know, going to ground zero and, and ground zero means I'm going to kind of throw out what I thought about a particular process. And I'm going to take a look at possibly doing it a different way. Um, he also talks about um, how to value your employees or the people around you more and to get them off the sidelines of, as observers and get them in the midst of uh, whatever it is your vision or mission is. And how you do that, and this is something that I feel is very important as a service leader. I'm going to say to you that probably on my team, um, we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And one of the things that I try very hard to do is to um, kind of take a back seat when I know that it's not a strength of mine um, and allow one of the other team members to step in. Um, and I think that by doing that, then everybody has, is a stakeholder in what we're doing. Um, you have to ha make sure that people feel a part of the overall vision, a part of the mission, and they too get to carry out various ideas and things. Um, just as we talked about empowering our students. Um, I can only teach so much. And then we want our employees, my team, to make formed decisions. And how we do that is to allow them to make decisions and to move forward. That's fantastic, Faye. I, this whole notion of getting everyone involved in the goals and vision and connection, that's something that TJ and I have really stressed. So people have an identity within the organization and feel valued. And in turn, that only fuels their passion and their work and everyone's success. So thank you. It's great to hear that affirmed. So our final question, what's the one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? Oh my goodness, a long time ago, I used to think that I had to do everything. <laughs> 
which is ludicrous, but you know, um, but as you develop your team and as you develop your leadership style, uh, and my style is very much participative. Um, and not that, you know, I, I still believe that I have the right to uh, rescind a particular thing. I have a right to a final decision, especially if it entails, you know, maybe veering from our mission or vision. Um, you know, that, that is something that to me is, is our litmus test. I mean, it's, if it goes outside of that, then we, we probably don't need to do it. Um, but sometimes we'll take a look at it anyway. Um, but we have developed such a team that, um, honest to goodness, um, I no longer feel like I have to have my finger on the pulse of everything because I do have individuals around me who are 100% vested and invested in what we do. Um, they too have a passion for helping our kids be the best that they can be. And it's part of, you know, what all of, all of us do. Um, one of the things that we talk about or I talk about is free falling. Um, I believe that I have a superior team. And I believe that if at any given time I open my arms and fall backwards, I know that there's going to be a team member there that's going to catch me. And here's the thing they too know that if they open up their arms and they fall backwards, that I'm going to catch them. So therefore, we don't have any balls that drop, um, you know, and we all are in it together and we're there for one another. And, you know, so it, it really takes away a lot of the pressure. That way I get to focus on those really wonderful things that I do. They get to focus on the really wonderful things that they can do and bring to the team. And together we create something absolutely wonderful for the children and for the communities and for the families that we serve. That was fantastic, Faye. What a great answer to that question. Um, I think just some of the threads that have come through today about teamwork and empowerment and service and staying true to the vision, just awesome. A lot of what Joe and I produce on our blog with our posts and it mirrors a lot of the interviews that we've done with such great leaders who um, really have similar thinking in terms of the simple strategies that uh, are so important as we try to move any vision forward. Um, we always say that leadership is complex, but it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. Is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners today as we wrap up? Um, I just think that um, in adding, uh, just to wrap up, I think that um, what all of us as, as leaders have a responsibility to um, in helping our staffs grow, in helping the people that we are in service to grow, kind of stems back to, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, and what we want to do with everyone that we work with is to really provide, you know, those, those things through jobs and, um, you know, making sure that there are other opportunities for people to provide for themselves and their families, you know, from a physiological standpoint. We touched on safety. It is very important to me that the people that we work with understand that they are safe, meaning the information that they give us and our help to them and them having a safe 
space and place to talk openly and honestly about the things that may or may not be going right with them. And then creating this, this, this feeling of belonging. Everybody on the planet wants to belong to something. So what we have to do is to make sure that folks belong to something that's good and right and can produce really wonderful things in the community and also produce really wonderful things for them. And then in doing those things, we help to fuel people's self-esteem. Once you really care about yourself, oftentimes you won't have to worry about, you know, getting into some of those behaviors that are so um, detrimental. And then lastly, you know, and we all talk about self-actualization. And I still talk about when I grow up. And I'm, you know, I'm not even going to talk about how old I am. But I still talk about when I grow up and the things that I want to do down the road. That self-actualization just says that I'm just going to evolve and create possibly another journey or expand the journey that I'm on and to give back. Because really, that's the epitome of getting to the top of that pyramid is when you have reached all of those things and now you have something to share and you have something to give back. Um, and I think that that's part of what leadership is. It's not so much about wealth, although you want to keep moving and you want to keep growing, but you also want to grow the individuals around you and those people who are involved in you know, involved in whatever services you're giving, you want them to grow as well and to be the very best that they can be. So that's it. That was a great way to end on giving back, Faye. Thank you so much for that, for service-based leadership. There you have it, Faye Blake. Uh, don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our hashtag one thing series on service-based leadership. Thank you so much, Faye, for being with us today. Oh, you're so very welcome. Thank you, um, TJ and Joe, for having me. It's been phenomenal. Thank you.